welcome to the Our Ability Podcast. In early 2021, we have taken a look at New York State legislation as it regards to individuals with disabilities. We've been lucky enough to have some great guests and good conversations on what is affecting New York State legislation and how we can be more supportive of people with disabilities. Today, we're really excited to have a, a guest, somebody that I've respected for a long time that's been involved with our ability in everything we're doing. Right now, I, I get an extreme pleasure of introducing Brett Eisenberg, somebody that I've met along the way through some national meetings, who is a strong disability advocate and who works at the and runs the Bronx Independent Living Center. So I'm going to let Brett correct me both on name and title and company. But Brett, say hello and tell us tell us who you are. Sure. Um, so thanks so, so very much for having me, John. It's an honor to be with you today. Um, so you hit it right on the head. Um, I'm the executive director for Bronx Independent uh, Living Services. Um, I've uh, been doing this for the past uh, 12 years now. Um, prior to that, um, I was really in the corporate world, spent uh, many years at AIG running disability initiatives for them on a global basis, looking at uh, hiring individuals with disabilities, uh, moving them up the ranks, creating products and services, making sure we had the right assistive technology, and uh, doing some global philanthropy. From there, I went to the National Bis Disability Council, National Business and Disability Council, doing similar stuff. Uh, with companies across the country, really focusing on um, making sure that disability was a part of uh, diversity and, and uh, making sure that people with disabilities were included in the goals that they were creating in terms of uh, their diversity initiatives. So how and important, so, I, I want to interrupt you for a second, just how important was the AIG experience for you? Uh, for me, it was a very important uh, experience. So I was originally hired uh, in the human resources department. I have an accounting degree as a business analyst. And I was there a week. Um, as you know, I'm not really short on words. And so uh, I was in my first staff meeting. They were talking about diversity. They didn't mention disability once. Um, and I had a really hard time finding a job after uh, school. And so I went up to the head of HR and I said, listen, you know, you didn't mention disability at all. You know, what are you guys doing? And they go, gosh, we never thought of it in terms of diversity. Um, can you help us? And I said, sure, I'd be more than happy to, to do that. And uh, from there, um, we started talking about our employees and creating an ERG and making our employees feel more comfortable and getting our own house in order um, and so I learned very quickly that uh, disability wasn't necessarily a part of diversity, that even major companies at the time, you know, this is a long time ago, weren't seeing, uh, you know, disability as a, as a part of diversity and um, how to overcome those hurdles uh, internally, get your name out externally and really create a pipeline of talent of people with disabilities to, you know, help you make more money. Right. That's fantastic. It's so important to be talking about, um, you know, disability as part of diversity. I think we, maybe we don't say it enough. Uh, I certainly think maybe you and I do, but 
we don't hear it enough in the diversity space. I think we're hearing more than we ever have, but it's great to hear that experience. And it's great to, to know that you did that because I'm sure that opened eyes and uh, we, we need to say that definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, when I had my role uh, at AIG, there was just a few other uh, colleagues of mine at other organizations doing uh, similar work. I, I think that uh, as people with disabilities, you know, we need to uh, support one another and um, get each other into these roles to really make change within, you know, companies and, and organizations. Um, you know, uh, at the time, I kind of felt like I was the example for AIG. And so if I did a terrible job, I was going to let the whole disability community down. And so, you know, I really felt that uh, I had a great opportunity and my whole goal was to show them that we could really create a pipeline of talent and move them up the ranks. Yeah, it's, it, I will echo that. I mean, it, it, there's pressure on us to do, do a good job so that we, you know, we pay it forward. Um, we don't want to leave a bad impression. I felt that same pressure at times, too. So I, I completely understand that. And knowing you, you did a good job. So... Good for you. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about today a little bit. Where tell us what you're doing at at Bronx Independent Living and what what we should be doing. Sure. So at Bronx Independent Living, uh, we run the gamut of services. So uh, we work with uh, families when uh, children are first diagnosed with a disability uh, through the end of time, right? And so there's a variety of services that. We provide, we help people uh, try and find jobs. We provide vocational readiness skills, uh, soft skills, and you know, uh, uh, hard skills as well. On the other side of the table, we work with companies on making sure they're including uh, people with disabilities, um, creating pipelines for them. And so, uh, you know, there's no better example when you do it yourself. And so what I've done at our organization is um, when I came aboard 12 years ago, this was one of the first things I did was to create an internship program. And uh, most of the individuals we hired in the organization as we started to grow were from our own internship program. And so you lead by example. And so that's what we try and do um, at our agency. Um, certainly, uh, we're living in unprecedented times. Uh, that no one expected. Um, and so, you know, what we look at and what we see the world as today is very different than um, a year ago. And I think um, in some ways it provides us a opportunity as, as people with disabilities uh, to look at new career paths. Uh, it's certainly shown that work could be done remotely so my entire staff, the majority of which are people with disabilities, about 80-something percent, uh, we've all been remote for uh, just about exactly a year. And our agency uh, is doing great. Um, you know, our budget's larger than uh, it's ever been. Uh, <laughs> we're still working on trying to train individuals with disabilities. I think that we're looking at it from a little bit of a different perspective and looking into new emerging uh, fields that COVID has uh, 
created. Um, and so looking to build some new curriculums and look at things in, in different perspectives and get people with disabilities to think about their careers and what they want to do uh, a little differently than we typically have. We were just talking about that. It, so that for the podcast audience to understand that we're, we're being recorded right now on video for a, a, a news piece about what we do with our ability. And I just mentioned something very similar that work is changing, but in some ways it's really good for our community for a lot of reasons. And, and I explained some of the reasons for me personally, physically, and, and it's, it's great that we all continue to have an open mind that people with disabilities can work virtually and, and can work in general. And so we, we need to keep, keep telling people that and, and asking our own community to stand up and, and, uh, and do what we can to work because it's essential that we get people to see us in a, in a work setting, uh, as you talked about with AIG before. Um, what, so that kind of leads into, into COVID in general. I mean, you know, how have you guys dealt with COVID? You say you're 80% working from home. What are some of the other uh, challenges? A hundred percent working from 100. home. I was saying, yeah, eighty percent of our staff are people with disabilities. Oh, okay, but a hundred percent of the staff are remote. All right. So, how else has COVID affected you guys? Sure. So, um, so we serve uh, roughly between two and three thousand people uh, a year, uh, people with disabilities. Uh, during COVID, unfortunately, that number uh, dropped a little. Um, simply because we weren't able to do the outreach that we were typically able to do, but. Um, Really, what we found is that people with disabilities um, were losing uh, their jobs, unfortunately, at dramatic um, rates. Um, and so for us, um, we immediately created a COVID-19 relief department within our organization. Um, it was to provide uh, little food stipends, uh, PPE to not only, of course, our staff and, and their families, but to all of our clients that that um, needed it as well, um, and other household um, essentials, and so uh, that's really been the uh, great challenge. Is I think you know how bad the economy really is. The stock market might be doing <laughs> very very well, um, and we know that disproportionately in general, people with disabilities are employed at a much lower rate. And, you know, unfortunately, we're sometimes the first ones to let, get let go. And so we've seen uh, a dramatic difference um, in the clients we, we serve and their financial situation. Um, so out of, uh, we had a little application process to apply for food stipends and things like that. And we kind of asked very basic uh, questions about uh, what your situation is. Did you lose a job? Did your hours get reduced? And 50% of the individuals that uh, had applied for assistance um, had lost their job um, or had a significant reduction uh, in their income due to you know, a significant reduction of hours. And so I think that that's really been um, one of the, the key things is in the employment field, clearly, um, from a healthcare perspective, being able to, as a person with a disability, uh, transportation is hard enough in uh, New York City. Um, and 
um, being scared to leave your own house. Um, I know my wife and I have been very afraid to go out, even to go to the doctor um, and get routine care. And so I think uh, things like that were a challenge. And um, we also help a lot of people get out of nursing homes. And we know that the state in particular, uh, unfortunately, we had quite a number of clients who passed away uh, in nursing homes. And so it was really about can we get them out fast enough? Yeah. And so housing is always an issue uh, in the state and uh, certainly the city in particular. So the issues really run the gamut. I think COVID uh, really uh, magnified uh, situations that already existed for people with disabilities, housing shortages, transportation issues, healthcare disparities. Um, and then we look at employment and again, just exacerbated what we already know, unfortunately, is individuals with disabilities, the huge gap uh, in employment. And, and I think that this made that uh, far worse. Yeah, amen, it, it did. And you've, you've talked about sort of the four pillars, employment, you know, healthcare, uh, independence, housing, transportation. I mean, it's just, it's, it's important to talk all about, about all of those things. And COVID has really brought them all together uh, certainly to all of us in the disability community, how eye-opening it is and some of the disparities that, that we have. Um, I have gone 14 minutes without talking about what I wanted to talk about, so now we're going to get into the, the heart of the matter. Uh, when, we, when we talked last week, I talked about legislative needs, and you brought something up to me that was, it's almost like I planted it, and I swear to goodness I didn't, so I'm going to let you go, but um, I want you to talk about disability-owned businesses and, and why, make pull the thread through, if you would, Brett, between what you just talked about in, in you know, missing needs and employment opportunities and, and why business ownership can be really important to our community. Sure. So, I, you know, uh, the conversation we had last week was great, and you're absolutely right. You didn't plant, uh, <laughs> plant it. Uh, I came up with it all by myself. Um, but, um, you know, I uh, like I talked about before, COVID's really given us all an opportunity as people with disabilities um, to really think about the world we live in. Um, I don't believe the world will ever go back to exactly what it was. Um, I think a lot of companies will move a little towards uh, remote work. And it's really showed that you can work from anywhere. Um, and I think that one of the things that New York State has really made an emphasis on was minority and women-owned businesses. And so we have a lot of grants from the state. Uh, we are required and um, we certainly understand and appreciate and want to give business to minority and women-owned businesses. And so we do our part in uh, subcontracting to them. Um, but really what we see is people with disabilities, again, are left out of the picture. And so I think that we're at a time of reflection. Um, I think that, you know, the regular means that we've always looked at for people with disabilities in employment, that hasn't moved the needle. And we have to look at other avenues that can start moving the needle. So what we're doing at our organization, and this leads to what we you know, would like to see legislatively is we want to start looking at entrepreneurship 
and creating your own businesses as individuals with disabilities. Since we know that remote work works, why can't we be consultants? Why can't we do marketing from home? Why can't we provide all these other services that minority and women-owned businesses are doing and they do a very good job at it? But there's no reason that people with disabilities need to be left out of that. And so what I would like to see, um, and I know you would like to see it as well, <laughs> um, is, to, is the state to make a concerted effort at you know, contracting with disabled-owned businesses. And so, like I said, there's legislation requiring minority and women-owned businesses, very important legislation. And, you know, as an organization that gets grants, we're required to utilize minority and women-owned businesses. Um, and, you know, I think it's just as important that the disability community not be left out of that. And so, you know, I, I think it's a great time to, to have the conversation, to, you know, uh, get legislators to really start thinking about this. Um, and, you know, I think it's something that could really move the needle over time. Do you, We've. Do, let, me, let me ask this. Do you, what are action steps that we can take? And I'm going to say we, the listener, we, the, the disability advocate, you know, we, the organization, what are, you know, in your mind, do you have one or two or three action steps that we we should take here in March of 2021? Sure. So I, I think it's a matter of getting in front of your legislative officials. So clearly not going to their offices, but, you know, connecting with them, you know, writing letters, um, you know, and, and I think that the disability community really needs to be united on this and really bring it to the to the forefront. And when we're in a united community, we can make really amazing change happen. Amen. And so, I, you know, I think that's the first action step is to be united in this. Um, and, and let's bring this forward. Let's educate elected officials, right? So for minority and women-owned business legislation to, to happen and for these things to be requirements, Everyone had to be educated about it, about the disparities that existed in the community. And so the same goes for people with disabilities. We have to educate the community. We have to educate our elected officials and get them to really see that we could bring value to the table. And, you know, we're missing out on a whole population of very talented individuals that can really be making a difference in the state and throughout the country. I, you know, I, I, th I think back to a few years ago where, where I sat on some commissions on employment first and, and, you know, the effort that we put in as a collective group, again, I'm not sure where that went with New York state, but I think something like this, if we pulled together five to 10 of us around the state that are like-minded in this issue, we could come up with a collective voice and, and some action steps and I think we'd have a better chance of getting the assembly and the Senate to pay attention to what we're doing. I'm, I'm all in. I think it's, it's so important. Entrepreneurship has made a difference in my life. I see how it makes a difference in other people's lives. We just, we have to be willing to tell the story and, uh, and then we have to get people to listen to us. Cause I think all too often, 
you know, we're afraid to tell the story maybe, but others don't want to listen. We need to make them listen on how important this is. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, looking at the glass half full, I think that, um, there's some great elected officials that, uh, really do champion some of our, uh, causes and understand the importance of them. Um, but they uh, only have so much time, and there's only so many things that they can uh, have on their agenda. And I think it's about moving this into the agenda as, as, a, as a priority. Amen. In, and, and looking at it because of the new world we're living in. Amen. Well, let's do it. And I'm happy to volunteer my time on that, too. I think that's something that, that we can do. And if... If there are listeners out there that want to be involved, please say so because uh, you know I, I I agree 100% with Brett that this is important to the outcomes of people with disabilities in general. And New York State can be a leader in this, and we do have really good advocates. Um, you know, we've got some that we've spoken to publicly on on this forum and some privately that are willing to help us in state government. So we should we should applaud them and. Uh, get them involved and try to try to move this forward. Absolutely. Brett, in our, in our time that's remaining, um, you know, what, what are some of the goals here for 2021 for, for you and, and independent living and, and where, where do you hope to, to be in 2022? Sure. So, so I think that um, first and foremost, it's uh, right now uh, getting people vaccinated, right? That's the only way that, uh, we're going to get out of our homes, uh, you know, and, and be able to participate. So, so uh, getting us vaccinated and um, we understand the supply and demand issues across the country. Um, I think that in New York, um, we've seen a, a, a great issue uh, um, with getting the vaccine. Um, and so, you know, um, the uh, easiest way to go about signing up is online. Um, I think that we have to understand that for seniors and, and people with disabilities, that's not always the right method. Um, so I know our agency uh, is helping individuals sign up and other independent living centers are uh, doing the same. But I think we really got to get uh, people vaccinated, um, and educate people on the importance of, of, of getting vaccinated. It's the only way, uh, that we're going to return to any sense of, uh, normalcy. Um, and I think it's very important. Um, you know, I think that science has shown that, uh, people with varying disabilities fare much worse with COVID. Um, and so we want to make sure that, uh, we help uh, put an end to that um, and, and, you know, really get to focus on employment and all of these um, other issues. So, you know, I, I think for 2021, it's about getting people vaccinated, you know, uh, getting them trained, getting them ready to re-enter the workforce or enter the workforce for the first time, reimagining what those career paths might look like. Uh, post, you know, COVID, um, you know, and, and so that's that's what I see for this year: getting people vaccinated, trying to return to some sense of a new normal, and really rethinking 
the the employment landscape and getting uh, young people uh, interested in different career paths that maybe they didn't think about. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that for the remainder of the year, even though the year is kind of young, I think that uh, this is going to be a tough year until everyone uh, is vaccinated, until we can get out of our homes and uh, people can come to our office. Uh, we certainly uh, can be successful providing services remotely, but we want people with disabilities to be able to get out of the house and uh, be independent. And so uh, this year is going to be a challenge, but we'll we'll get through it. Uh, you know, I hope that uh, coming out of this, that uh, the employment for people with disabilities will will change. We'll find new career paths. Uh, we'll look into new areas. Disabled-owned businesses is one of them that we really need to uh, get moving on and 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 move the needle. Um, and so, you know, coming out of this. Uh, I see it as an opportunity for us as individuals with disabilities to lead the way towards a new future. And so going into 2022, that's, you know, what I'd like to see. I, I, I love that. And I'll echo that, that, you know what, we're not going to be done when we get vaccinated. We're going to have to start retraining ourselves, both as organizations, as individuals, on what we want to do, what we can do, and what we should do. And employment is a big part of that. Opportunity is a big part of that. And and I, uh, you know, our ability as our organization completely agrees with you and me personally, I, I do as well. You know, entrepreneurship has changed my life. Employment has changed my life and we need to help others find that same path. And, and that's our goal for 2021 and 2022 as well. Uh, Brett Eisenberg from the Bronx Independent Living Services. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you on our podcast and we'd like to have you back at some point if you do that. Sure, absolutely, John. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thank you very much.